Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9. If you better yourself, you better the world. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Room 9. Before I get into today's episode, just a quick update on the whole t-shirt situation. The plan as of right now is to start to make them in the beginning of September and get them out in the middle of September, or at least get them to you by the end of September. I said September a lot there, but you get the gist. For those of you who do not know what is going on with t-shirts, if you go to the website and you donate $20 or more, you get a t-shirt and it all goes towards this new project I am starting is going to be the beginning of creating an entire website where there is videos of people sharing their stories of how they have struggled with either mental health or substance use or really anything. And they have found ways to get back up and overcome it. And I just want to start gathering resources, gathering stories, and getting people to feel comfortable about speaking up because it does so much for not only the person speaking up, for the people listening as well. And I'm not totally sure when this I'm going to officially kick this off because I am going to be recording the whole building of it. I mean, right now I'm just working on a little proposal because it'd be nice to get other companies and mental health treatment providers to jump on board and be a part of this because that's kind of the whole point of it is to build community. But once that's proposal parts done i'm really going to start filming the whole process and keeping everybody posted on what's happening and what's going on but other than that this episode is with martin hewlett he is actually from the uk and he has a podcast which is centered around really a meditative experience you guys should check that out i'm going to leave all his links below for his website for his twitter handle for his youtube channel and i'm pretty sure he's got Facebook. I'll make sure I have that all in the description of the podcast. So show him his support. He's an amazing dude. And I think you guys will all really enjoy hearing from him. You could listen to him talk forever. Originally, this was kind of going to be my just conversation with him to set up the podcast. And luckily, I record these little conversations so I can go back and figure out what I'm going to be talking with or what questions I should be asking the person when they're on the show. And this ended up just being like an hour and a half conversation I recorded. And it was good. It was beneficial around mental health and everything else. So I just recorded it and decided to use this as the podcast. So enjoy. After you hear Martin's voice, you're going to realize you could listen to him talk about nothing for many hours. So enjoy this and I will be talking to you guys soon. Much love. Peace. Hello. We got you coming. There you go. Cool. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Cheers. And really, <laughs> deep apologies for Tuesday. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, no worries, no worries. That it happens every once in a while. I always tell my, you know, because I get I get tough on myself too when I'm uh when I miss a phone call or a schedule something, and because I'm always like, oh, it looks so unprofessional. Yeah, but no, yeah, no worries, so none whatsoever. I appreciate I you taking the time to do this with me in the first place. I think um, we, we just out there to spread a little bit more calm and happiness. Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of, I figured that's what I would do with this little quick chat with you is uh, kind of give you a little background of myself too. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I didn't know too much about you till, where the heck was it? Might have been, was it Pat Flynn I was on real quick? Yeah. I clicked on yeah. something and he mentioned that you had a podcast on mental health and I was like, oh, yeah. I'm always looking for new new people to sit down and hear about cool. their story and what they're doing for the world and uh-huh. so i'm uh grateful again i was up till almost three editing a video last night so excuse my uh because uh, no, i'm gonna appearance. be like that tomorrow <laughs> i'm um i actually have to be at work at home tonight from 7 a.m until 7 from 7 p.m until 7 a.m tomorrow morning oh um i have to validate newly qualified paramedics work live so um yeah they've put me on a 12-hour shift tonight oh yeah (laughs) that that doesn't sound like fun uh i mean i enjoy it but you know i'm just sat here in the office next door to the kids but it will give me a chance because you're not on constant uh but you have to keep refreshing the work computer every Mm -hmm. few minutes so you can't sort of sit down and take a break oh Um, yeah but i'll get lots more therapy work written yeah. Maybe even see if I can record a few podcasts during the, you know, get paid twice. That's what I say. <laughs> That's, do you do a lot of um, your podcasts? Are they, I listened to a couple and it was yeah. just you and more like a, a meditation thing. Is that what most yeah, of your episodes the, are like? Yeah, Monday to Friday, every day. That's what they are. And then occasionally on the weekend, I'll just do a chat. And then every now and then I'll do an interview with someone that's asked to come on. And they're always stories about how that person has overcome personal issues or how they empower others to do so. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, good deal. Good deal. I'm assuming in the UK, you know, I don't haven't read too much, but I mean, mental health is just as big of an issue as it is in this wonderful country, uh, United States. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it really surprised me. I started the podcast purely to help my local clients from hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. have something that they could listen to. I originally started doing them on YouTube. And then because of Pat Flynn listening to him, I thought, oh, podcasting makes more sense. And then it exploded. And the the bit that really surprised and saddened me is my largest demographic, females aged 22 to 30. Really? And in the States, 60% of my listenership is in the States. Okay. So they are struggling with their mental health, their anxiety. I think people have lost sight of just how fortunate we really are in a first world country with social care and everything and safety and security compared to where some of my programs chart are in some really poor, underprivileged third world countries. And, you know, I once worked in North Africa. I saw genuine poor depravity, people who were living in sewers Mm -hmm. with just feces stained rags for clothing, you know, carrying babies, how any of us have lost sight of how privileged we all are in Europe and the States and Canada is sad. It's sad. 
It is well. It's it's um. I guess it's easy to do if you're not work working on it and thinking yeah. about it constantly. It's so easy to get lost in in your world, your own world, and used to simple things as running water. I, mean, I know. I know. It's, yeah. That's just it, isn't it? You know, clean water. I still marvel that people buy bottled water from the shops or a garage, mm -hmm. right? Something that costs about 10,000 times more than it does out the tap. And it's there. It's, you know, even when I work with fellow paramedics, they moan about everything. Mm -hmm. uh, they can't stand it when I walk in the room and I go, really? You know, <laughs> let, let's just take stock of what you are moaning about. And I go, oh, get you with your positivity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I never used to be like this. I, I was on that side of the wall once for years. You know, I was a, a very troubled human being. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind. No, 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 because this is what we do, isn't it? So I ended up in secure psychiatric care at the age of 14 and a half. I was a very troubled young soul. At 14? A 14, yeah. Okay. Abused. But you don't realize you are because you've got no reference, do you? <laughs> no, um, that helped. True. But then I went through life with what finally was identified as a dissociative identity disorder, which is very common for children who've been traumatized when they were younger. And that manifested itself in the way that when challenged, or I always say, I hate this word, or triggered, I would revert to react like a four-year-old would, tantrum, okay. inappropriate behavior, and then suffer emotional amnesia. So I wouldn't know what stupidity I'd just done the next day. And I'd go back into work and people would go, you don't remember what you did. And I would totally deny it. Wow. And it impacted on my personal life. So um, my poor ex-wife put up with a lot of rubbish. And then we're, we're really close friends now. You know, it was a very amicable separation over a long time. And she's now told me some of the unbelievably infantile things that I have done, of which I still don't remember. But I have no need to disbelieve her because she's an incredible, sincere and honest human being. But then I had, I was very lucky, uh, work, the ambulance service, the NHS supported me, gave me this incredible therapy, which even whilst I was having it, the one third of me was going, this is rubbish, this is crap. <laughs> um, but I walked out of that session, stopped in the middle of this car park, and suddenly that Tourette's that's right in the middle of my head, that constant diatribe of hate against myself that was there. Even when I was talking to people, I'd be going, you're an idiot. You're an, and I won't say the words, but so hurtful against myself had gone. I was mm. like, wow, mm. I was reborn. Uh, if I was a religious person, I would have said without any shadow of a doubt, I have just been reborn. I've just been touched by something miraculous. And I, and, and, you know, if I was like that, I would say, yeah, absolutely. And people who listen will go, well, you know, that's the hand of whatever deity you're into. I had a few more sessions. I then had to go and learn this incredible system. So I requalified as a clinical hypnotherapist. And then over the next few years, I've blended meditation and hypnosis and my own learnings and understanding and 20 years as a paramedic dealing with mental health people into calming anxiety. And everyone that knows me now turns around and goes, it's incredible. And it is. And it shows what you can do if you meet the right technique at the right time in your life. Right. But I was crying out for help. I knew I was not right and I wanted to change. And that's the key. You have to be at that part in your life where you want to. And I, I once met th this, this woman still 
resonates with me. For years as a hypnotherapist, I would attend a young girl who was a heroin addict, an alcoholic, and I'd saved her life quite a few times with resuscitate. And then she dropped off the radar. A couple of years ago, I bumped into her on a totally different job. I was looking after an elderly person. She was there and I kind of recognized her. And she said, no, this is my story. I said, well, how did you do that? And she goes, I woke up one morning and I just said, enough. And she quit alcoholism and heroin addiction just like that because she deserved to respect herself and probably the most incredible human I will ever meet. And I'm desperate to find her again so I could talk to her and get her on the show. And subsequently, I used what that a couple of weeks ago diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which annoyed me because that's just down to lifestyle. I've been on lockdown for seven months because of something they thought I had and I've eaten a bit too much chocolate. Okay, I've eaten all the chocolate in the world. And I just thought, well, if she can break heroin addiction, I'm sure as heck can break chocolate addiction right? or sugar. And so I just said, enough. So um, this is me being reborn again. Sugar free. You know, it's it's interesting because, I mean, it's pretty similar to a moment I had, which was kind of more or less I was sitting in jail, actually, when my aha moment happened yeah that does it <laughs> but um you know i just i just realized like you know what i can't i'm not going to keep going down this this road of self-pity yeah. and poor me and everything yeah. else and it just it really was for me in jail i was just sitting there and this was i had to i went from jail to short-term rehab to long-term rehab for heroin addiction oh wow and um you know it was just a a quick like a flip of a switch yeah. that went off in my head it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, I just stopped talking negatively to myself. Like you said, that voice in my head that yeah. was, you suck, you're a failure, you're a piece of shit, yeah. everything else. And totally. it just, it just stopped. Yeah. It's crazy how um, that happens to some people. And that's the point that why I now do the podcast to get that across to people so that they can wake up one morning and go, oh my Lord, you know, if Martin can do it, he just said enough if that other girl can do it and if you can do it and that is the key it's taking responsibility for your own destiny now i had an elder brother we both had the same upbringing but he went through life as a victim never letting go and never taking responsibility for his actions always blaming his actions on what happened to us whereas i've never done that I've, that's the one thing uh, psychiatric care instilled in me they said don't let the past ruin your future. And that's, it's that simple, isn't it? You know, yes, it's molded me and yes, it affects me. And yes, I've made some fabulous mistakes, but I've never turned around and said, you know, it's not my fault. It's the way I was treated when I was younger. I will never do that. And that's what I try to instill on people. You know, we, we've got to spread this responsible be responsible for your own actions. Yes, you can get it wrong. And when I get it wrong, I put my hand up. You know, I now have stepkids, they're seven and eight. And if I'm wrong, as I did with my own kids who are now in their late twenties, I turn around and go like to young Henry, I said, look, Henry, I got that wrong yesterday. This is why. And empower him to understand that it's okay to admit your mistakes. Mm, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think so many parents need to do that with their kids. Yeah, totally. Uh, but they don't. I now want to take this into schools. Now that the schools are going to reopen in the UK in September, I'm now going to write to all the secondary schools. So they're the sort of 11 onwards and say to the headmasters or headmistress, can I come in and do a speech and tell these young kids, look, 
you think I'm, oh, look, here's an old bloke who is about to try and moralize to us. But no, this was me at your age. I was so vulnerable and broken. And then I've done all of this. And when they hear about all the things that I've achieved, regardless of my start in life, you know, I came to the UK when I was 20, homeless, living in a car park. Then I pitched a tent on a flat roof and worked my way up. You can do it. If we live in the Western world, <laughs> everything is achievable. You know, absolutely everything, regardless. No, it is. I think, you know, we touched on it in the beginning when we get... We have running water. We have, I mean, two cars, a family, you know, some people, even if you don't, you have the bus. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much um, that we get used to. I think that comes up daily. And, you know, I I think it's important to remind ourselves how much we have because it's so easy to forget. It it is. But for people like us, you know, when you've been at the bottom and then you understand just how privileged we are, you're now wanting to spread your message Mm -hmm. and and help others lift themselves up. And I think that's that's our lesson for what reasons we've made our mistakes. Now, if we can guide other people either from not making them or those that are at rock bottom go, ah, yeah, these two guys have done it, so I can. You know, like heroin addiction, it's awful. It is, and it's, but it is, it's possible to um, overcome. I've seen so many yeah. people do it, and that's with any, I think, addiction. Yeah. But actually, it, my best friend from school, we share the same birthday. He was a heroin addict. His, his whole family, you know, it's just, you can understand why, you know, dad died young. Then his younger brother, when we were 16, 17, his younger brother was 10, died of the brain tumor. And he got, he went right off the rails. And now he's drug rehabilitation manager in the UK. And then he found religion. No one is more religious than that guy. And it's just <laughs> so nice. To, really, you know, I, I know there are people who have faith, but... um my God, um, if there was <laughs> he's a got enough coming, for the rest of us. <laughs> he's, he certainly has. And it's nice. But me and him, we can talk. Uh, you know, this is what I like about my friend Liam. He knows I'm on the opposite side and we can talk forever about mm-hmm. it uh, without ever falling out. There's so much love and respect between us. And that's what I'd like more people to do. Be more tolerant. I think, you know, mindfulness teaches that. You know, my road rage at traffic lights is a lot less now. If someone doesn't move within a millisecond of the light going from red to amber, I can deal with that now. Years ago, not so, not so good. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a huge sign of it. That's how you can really tell you're improving. Yeah. Many years ago, my eldest boy was about two and a half. He's in the front of the car with me. My wife's in the back with the really little one. And we're in Brighton on the south coast of England. And we're behind another car. This is the first moment I realized I had a genuine issue. The lights in front changed for that millisecond. And Jake, two and a half, went, get a fucking move on. (laughs) (laughs) And there was no excuse. And I felt, that's the first time I'd felt bad about something I had done wrong. I don't have guilt. That's not how my brain's wired. But that moment, yes. And I mean... You can imagine the conversation between me and my wife after that. Um, And I realized on two things. One, I'm letting my frustration negatively impact my kids, which I never wanted to do. And so I realized then. So I think that was a wake-up call for me, but a funny wake-up call when when a a two-and-a-half-year-old beats you to it. That's good. You know, I just just wrote a note down the other day as I was thinking 
because you know I, I have about two years clean and I remember about about two months ago for some reason I like you know lied to my parents and my girlfriend and my family mm-hmm. about something stupid that I didn't even really have to lie about like it didn't make any sense you know looking yeah. back afterwards and I just I wrote down the other day I was thinking you know sometimes I think we we get in this like in this zone almost where we're, we're doing great and mm. we get, we're doing it for so long. We almost kind of get used to it and we, we stop becoming so aware and our awareness kind of yeah. gets a little more, you know, laid back anyway. And yeah. I feel like those failures and those stupid things we do that we don't think through are just little wake up calls. Like, Hey buddy, you know, pay attention yeah. here. You're getting a little too comfortable. And, yes. <laughs> you know, and I think it's really, it's almost like something to kind of keep you grounded and reminded that you're grounded and, you know, you're only human. <laughs> well, I'm really lucky now. My new partner of three years, we knew each other a long time ago. We used to work at the same ambulance place. Um, on our first day, I was really open. I said, um, look, I do have these real dips at times where I react inappropriately. So every week, if not twice a week, I will turn around to her and say, have I been okay this week? Because I just want to be better than I was before. And sometimes I do even now. And I think that's what other people have to understand. No matter how well you get, you might still blip. I mean, you might not mm-hmm. hopefully ever take uh, heroin again, but you might do something that mentally you're not proud of. Like for me, it would be being really abrupt and not understanding someone else's opinion. And that affects me really deeply because that, that is the epitome of my father. You know, he is. <laughs> and it's strong, but I detest everything about me that resembles him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look in the mirror and my, my father, for want of a better word, he was a big guy. He was 6'4". He was 19 stone. He was in the army rugby team, army swimming captain. He was head of bomb disposal. He was a true soldier. And I'm not. I was nine and a half stone, five foot seven. I was the runt. But as I've grown older and I then took up powerlifting, I've got bigger. And sometimes I look in the mirror and I look like my dad and I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't be like that, please. Be (laughs) kind, be caring. You can. This is who you're supposed to be. And it's lucky my other half keeps me on track. I've been out somewhere before and I've come back to the table in a restaurant and she said, I think you need to go up there and apologize to the waitress. You were so rude. And and I'm man <laughs> enough now to go, okay, what did I do? And I'll then go up to the waitress and go, look, um, I'm really sorry. Uh, I was really rude to you. It's unacceptable. Please accept my apology. She goes, oh, it's no problem. I said, no, it is. No one at works deserves to be talking, spoken to the way I just did. I do have a medical problem, but that's no excuse for you to accept it. And so I try to live my life the way I'd always like to be treated. That's my thing. Yeah, I wish um, more people had a thing like that, Martin. <laughs> I think we need more of it, more so than ever. And yeah. you know, whether it's in the United States, whatever, we're under the same the same sky and the same stars. And I think I wish more people um, reminded themselves of that a lot. And then you know, I have mo- we I see moments. So you know, sometimes I feel like I lose that hope for humanity, especially over in this country. In the, in the States where I look at the leader and who represents this country and, you know, just how disrespectful of a human being and he is and the people who follow him. And, you know, so I've kind of found myself like, is there really any any hope for humanity? Who knows? We're going to burn this uh, planet down before anything else happens. 
And, you know, yesterday I had uh, my, my battery died while I was driving and some person within 10 seconds pulled over. You all right? You need some help. You need to jump. And, you know, you got to look for it. I think the, the glass half full, glass, glass half empty is both correct. But uh, which point of view you take makes the biggest difference. I don't, uh, you see, you know, we all, people who are slightly more aware, I think now, understand the media feed on negativity. And mm -hmm. it's, to me, it's incredible. It's just getting worse and worse. Uh, you know, I've taken off so many news apps. I, I was a news junkie for years. And then as you start to look into it, you think, actually, I think we're being lied to, no matter which side you belong to. And I do find it interesting. Over in the UK, we have the BBC. Now, mm -hmm. anyone who is slight the right of centre views that the BBC are really extremely left. And anyone on the left thinks they're really alt-right. And that's the other problem. We call anyone who is mildly right, alt-right mm. and fascist. And anyone on the left, well, we're not allowed to say because then we get called being racist and xenophobes. Whereas the respect for someone else's political beliefs Years ago, I remember being at work in the mid 80s and there was an election and everyone at work was different. People were saying, I'm voting Labour, I'm voting Lib, Middle, or I'm voting Tory, say so Democrats or Republicans. And, and no one fell out. No one got angry. No one then pigeonholed. So, you know, in your country, if someone says, I, I, I'm a Republican, they're automatically seem to be racist and xenophobic. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's democratic from the other side is viewed to be antifa and socialist and, and it's not right we've lost the ability to talk and respect a different point of view and we so need to go back to that don't we i mean i love debate one of my managers at work he's a counselor for our labor party here so like your democrats and i'm i voted to, to put it into perspective for your side over there in my time i voted democrat and republican i look at the what i have in front of me and think what do I think is best for the country? And I don't believe many people vote like that. They think what's best for them. I've even voted down the middle or even what I thought was middle, but it was actually far left for the Green Party and has stood as a Green Party member, even though my beliefs are fli slightly right. I've got to be careful because I'm not right wing, but the product of my upbringing has been within the British Army and the people that are around me. But I love debating because I like my views to be challenged because why do I think they're right? They're only right because of my upbringing. And I love it when I go into a debate and someone puts something forward and changes my mind. I think that's fantastic. Me and my boss at work, we're polar opposites. But we debate and discuss quite amicably all the time to take apart our preconceived views and then we reconstruct them. And we, I'd love to push that. I really like to get people <laughs> more involved and not come into a debate shouting or thinking the other person is this, this and this purely because they said, well, actually, I, I like that view. Why can't we pick other views? You know, I like some democratic views. I like some Republican views and I like some mainstream middle views. But as soon as you say one, people get so angry mm. and I don't understand. No, I know. It's it's truly bizarre because mm. if anybody was honest with themselves, they all would vote a little bit on each side. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's very it's very strange. And it has. It's turned into just a, a, a point and shout game as opposed to yeah. as opposed to conversing and what this philosopher I really like always calls our belief systems BS. 
you know, he, 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 uh, he shortened them yeah. to BS, you know, that's what they are. And you're right. I mean, you only really, you, your beliefs are truly pretty much well formed by your environment and how you grew up and what happened yeah. at specific moments. I mean, I, like I say, I grew up, my father was a career officer and I grew up in small pockets of utopia. So on army bases abroad, there is no unemployment. There is no littering. There is no crime. There is structure and yep. and respect. You know, I, I called all of my parents' friends sir or mum, right? It's just yep. that's the way you did it. Even at work today, if I see one of the officers come on station, I have to stop myself calling them sir. They hate it. <laughs> they think I'm being sarcastic. And I do have a resting sarcasm face. You know, my default tone of voice is sarcasm but you know that we've lost that we've lost that in society one thing i do like when i see videos from the states up until may people would talk to police officers and call them sir hmm. in their interactions that doesn't happen over here ever and you do have a more respectful society from my english perspective from what i see online uh, than we do so for all what some Americans think are failings within your society, there's a bit more respect there than we have over here. Yeah, I guess I kind of have, have lost track of that with this whole um, virus thing and nobody wants to uh, put on a damn mask when they go out. And it's like, if we all would just work together, this could be taken care of in two weeks. You yeah, know, absolutely. If we all just worked as a team, as mm. one society, as one country, as one world, whatever it is. If we all just worked together, it would be done with mm. and taken care of and everything could go back to normal. So I've kind of have, have lost it a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everyone's trying to score political points over mm -hmm. the virus, and they shouldn't. It should be a totally non-partisan issue, and the media as well. Now, there was a really good post from a surgeon recently, and he's been a surgeon for 40 years, and he wears a mask on every operation, and he's never caught another disease. Now, one really good statistic from our ambulance service, since COVID came in, not a single member of staff has gone off with diarrhea and vomiting hmm. because they're all adhering to personal protection equipment for the first time ever. The only time I've ever come down sick from a job, I went to a six-year-old child with DNV, as we call it. Mm -hmm. I remember I never wear gloves when I'm with a child doing the job because I want to appear more approachable, less threatening. After the job, I left the child on scene with all the appropriate stuff. I got back in my response car and I was starving and I got a Mars bar and I ate it. Five hours later, I was very ill. I picked the bug up. It's that easy. Yeah, and a wow. mask. When people say, oh, yeah, but it's not going to save me. Damn well, why do you think medics wear them all the time? You know, if I wear it and you wear it, we can be in the same room. If you cough, those microbes are caught. The viruses on the droplets are caught in your mask, right? And if they do pass through, then they're caught on the front of my mask. Mm, it's just <laughs> bizarre. But then, you know, I've spent 20 years frontline as a paramedic. I see it daily. And, and the equipment that my colleagues use at the moment is just brilliant. And we've had out of 4,000 frontline members since March, only seven people have tested positive wow. within the ambulance service. Yeah, it makes sense. That that's impressive. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it it makes complete sense. And I mean, even if it didn't do anything, I'm thinking, you know, what's the harm in it? It makes everybody else around you more comfortable. Just yeah. put put the damn thing on. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah. I I have friends on social media who say I'm not going to wear a mask. I went really. I don't know if I actually can be your friend if you're going to be so open about your disregard for everyone else's safety. <laughs> right. 
This is a virus. And people are saying, oh, yeah, it's not as bad as flu. But if we'd done nothing, this is an incredibly virulent, deadly virus. And look at the people who'd been on social media who were doing that crazy thing of licking toilet bowls or licking um, things in shops. And they're now dead oh from the virus. I know. <laughs> so many Darwin Awards to hand out later this year. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I guess kind of, um, you know, I don't know, we got off on the politics, but for a good reason, because I feel like it's mm. it's very much well connected to our mental health and what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, I, th I think that's such a, a, a big thing in this country, in the world is to let's just start caring about each other more. Absolutely. And we can agree to disagree on so many things, but we can still be nice human beings. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I have an eclectic group of friends who have some very strong views across all the spectrums and gender and sexuality that I don't adhere to, but I will still support them 100% in everything they want to do. And and I like debating with them as well. You know, one, one of my close friends came to me and said, oh, you wrote something the other day, I'm really upset, but I'm really offended. I said, well, let's talk about it. Let's understand. Try and teach me why you're upset. And we had a great chat and it was purely over the semantics of one word. And I said, well, you're now getting upset about diction where you know the intent wasn't there. So do you, know, do you think you have to give and take a bit and not get so emotionally triggered when someone uses just a word, a word? You're being upset by a word, not the intent. <laughs> and they, they then reflected and think, yeah, actually, you've got a point. They're going around looking to be upset and offended. Whereas I'm like, you can't offend me. You know, it's people, people really can't. They try. And again, but it's just your opinion, isn't it? Mm. You know, I, I, one of my bucket list things is I really want to do a stand up set, just 20 minutes up at the Edinburgh Fringe once a year. And people say, what would it be about? I said, well, you know, my humor is so dark. I mean, I'm on the far end of Hades when it comes to humor. And they said, but how can you do it? You have so much compassion and empathy and love. I said, well, yeah, that's that little part of me that just sees one situation and I can instantly think of the worst dichotomy to that. Mm. But it's funny. And <laughs> they'll go prove it and I'll say something and they go, wow, that's, that's really bad. I said, yeah, but you laughed, didn't you? I'm not really going to go out and commit these really bizarre random acts. And they go, no. And I said, and now you're understanding that comedy should be absolutely free from being... Mm monitored absolutely have you ever heard of the the group cicopedia it was an app and a website um no i have not okay so some years ago you could sub i'm sure it's still out there you could submit jokes as and obviously very sick jokes and um i had real notoriety within my sporting martial arts circle I put a joke on there once and it was banned in 36 minutes <laughs> and i told my friends and i told them the joke they go that's insane I mean, it was a really offensive joke. <laughs> and then I said, a few months later, I put another one up and it was banned in 32 minutes. And uh, again, everyone's like, wow, that's good going. And then I came up with one. Six minutes it lasted. Six whole minutes oh my before it was banned on the website. I, I, I won't repeat it. And when I do do it on stage, I have to educate people beforehand so they understand the joke because it goes back 20 years to something really tragic that happened in the UK. And then I brought it forward. And all my friends were going, how do you think of that? And, and what happened? I was watching a particular historic event unrelated at the time and someone won something. And everyone in the room was like, yeah. And I suddenly came up with these two moments in time that correlated. 
that was so wrong to correlate. And everyone just stared at me and go, why? <laughs> it's funny though, you're all laughing. So that's, um, we all have a skill, but it's not a good skill that I can put on my CV. Yeah, you know, I was just talking with, I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I had the privilege of uh, chatting with him for about, he's actually going to come on my podcast, which I cannot believe he agreed to. Wow. But yeah, I was I was dumbfounded he agreed to it. But anyway, you know, I won this, like, they just picked a question. I was asking, mm. asking a question. He's like, oh, come on. He does this thing sometimes during the weekdays and people come on and ask him questions. So I got to do it. And But we were talking about this whole because I brought it up to him, the the things in my addiction, like how I man, how I was I was great at manipulating, I was great at telling the right lies that didn't lead to questions that could get me caught. Like a lot of people that are in recovery from addiction will say they were good at it, but I was a master at it. And <laughs> you know, skill. just keeping people you know cl- that were close to me from not asking each other questions and figuring it out. Yeah. It took them a long, long time, and I realize when I just started getting into branding and into, you know, you know, marketing and branding in, in the healthy way, I think in the way that it's turning around anyway, in, in, in the West here that I could use those skills in a positive way. And we kind of were talking about how we have this, these dark traits and these dark skills in us, but if we learn how to use them in a healthy, good, positive way, those are like your greatest tools. And it's, it's, it's amazing when a person can take that and use something that's a sh- shitty trait could be used for no, evil well, or darkness and yeah, not being be. good and using it for good. And I think that's that's amazing when people do that. Yeah. Um, I use my very twisted dark humor as a paramedic. And I mean, some of my colleagues are like, you said that to a patient, <laughs> but it breaks the ice. So I once had to pick up this 40 uh, year old guy and it was two weeks before Easter and he was terminal. So he wouldn't make the end of the year. Um, I've only ever got it wrong once and I had to write a very deep felt apology. So in 20 years, it's not a bad record. But this guy, we got in the back of the truck and we got chatting and I sort of sussed it up and I said, hey, what's the difference between you and Father Christmas? And he said, what? I said, well, he'll be here at Christmas. And he laughed, right? Now, <laughs> he really laughed. And he's got, I love that. I love the fact that you haven't tiptoed around what's going on for me and that I am dying. I said, no, you want me to treat you like a human being. Okay, let's make the most of it. He goes, the best bit is, because I was taking him to a hospice for some respite. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm going to use this later on today at tea. One of the guys probably won't make it to Easter, so I'm going to reuse your joke as the Easter bunny for him. And he was so happy that I treated him with humanity and wasn't like trying to be ignored or try to ignore Mm -hmm. the severity of what was happening to him. And afterwards, my colleague who was driving said, "How? why did he roar out laughing? And I told him, and he goes, you can't do that. And I go, but I do. I do it with everyone. I don't hide from the reality of someone's death. And when my brother died two and a bit years ago from a brain tumour, we've always been competitive. So many years ago, I had a mild heart attack. He came back with a quadruple bypass, nearly died going to the airport. And I was on the phone to him again, yeah, you've always got to upstage me. And then I had a small tumour in my nose and uh, had it removed. I'm fine. He came back with a brain tumour and goes, you, small tumour, me, brain tumour. And he had a full head of hair. All he's like, he's got great hair. He's silver fox spiky. (laughs) And as you can see, he had the good genes. And even during chemo, he didn't lose it. And he would send me photos post-chemo, right? And he'd just do that. (laughs) 
And then he had brain surgery and they went up through his neck. And the next day he takes a photo on the London eye, full head of hair, again, going like that to me. Like, you bastard. How do you do that? And then he just went. And his last words to his son were, fast and a furious day with what? So every year on his birthday, I watch that film. Hmm. So we always take a positive. Always, always, always positive. But yeah, so my dark skill is humor in the worst of conditions. <laughs> I think that's awesome, Martin. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, we, we need it. I think we need stuff mm. like that. I, I can only imagine, you know, if somebody, especially that is dying of cancer, or somebody who's like, you know, you don't got a very good chance how people tiptoe around them yeah, and treat no. them as if they're, and you know, who the hell wants to be treated like that, especially the <laughs> last moments, you know, treat me like a normal person. And, yeah. you know, and I think that's important to remember for all like mental health and, you know, even anybody who struggles with any kind of mental health, anxiety, depression, even skits for whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, even in, in addiction, same thing. Like these are all at the end of it. They're human beings. You know, we go to some people who are really like, you know, the, the addicts mm-hmm. and some of my colleagues, their reactions to them. I just, they, they, it saddens me. Mm. And I turn around to every addict, you know, the addict will turn around and they'll go, I'm really sorry. Okay, don't apologize. You, you've got the worst thing ever. You're, you're an alcoholic. If I could snap, and this only happened once against it, I always turn around, okay, if I could snap my fingers like this and you could be free of it, would you want to? And all but one have said yes, mm. right? Two Christmases ago, it was six days before Christmas, we went to a guy, alcoholic. He was 56 and he's been an alcoholic since he was 11. Jesus. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I was really impressed. He had amassed 148 cans of lager in his flat to last him till Christmas Day. Huh. 22 cans a day he had. And I said to him, because we wanted to help, I said, look, if I could snap my fingers and make you clean, would you? He goes, no, I like being an alcoholic. And I respected that. Mm. He wasn't a burden to anyone. We were there because someone else had called and he was safe and happy and he didn't want to change. And he wasn't sad about it. So I will always support anyone with anything that comes to me. But if they come to me and they're addicted and they don't want to change it, then that's okay. It's, they're not hurting anyone else. But if they do want to change, I will give them everything. I, you know, I'm so passionate about anything I do. So I will throw everything into it. But enough about that. You've got Gabby Vaynerchuk on your channel. <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. I mean, that is going to explode your listenership. Yeah, you know, after I was, you know, I was thinking about this the last few days, too. And after um, I did, because I think that little video, it was live when I went out and talked with him, like four or five people talked with him for about 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I got a, I got a good chunk of new followers, and but a lot of message. And I, but I think most importantly, what I loved is I got a handful of people who were genuinely touched by my authenticity and me being yeah. vulnerable and talking about my brother and sister dying, talking about my heroin addiction, talking about, you know, all those things. And I think I got five like true connections out of it. And to me, that's what's more yeah. important for me is not getting thousand hundred thousand followers or whatever, but getting those few true connections, yeah. those true where people are excited to hear you, excited to hear your story. They're grateful for it. And that's, to me, that was the best part of it is a handful of those people is well worth, you know, yeah. over 500,000, okay, well, kind of like what you do, followers, you know. If anyone emails me because they've been touched by the show, I, I always send a video email response back. Mm-hmm. 
and that then you know they're kind of blown away but you know like you i just think well it's just a little on me in my office i record these sessions for me mm-hmm. you know when, when i record a podcast they're not scripted headphone on microphone shut my eyes and i just talk myself through it and i think that comes across and then the people who now email me we're, we're just a family you know that exactly. that's why i do it yes the show generates ad revenue and yes, I'd like to use my brand to go full time one day, but money's never inspired me. Mm-hmm. Helping has. I mean, I always say to people up until a couple of years ago, back in the mid 80s, I was earning more money as a software engineer. I do. And then one day, a young lad in central London, who was a bike courier, went over the bonnet of my car. Wasn't hurt, just he wasn't looking and I wasn't driving fast. I got out, we got chatting. And in this young lad, I, well, I was young too, I saw freedom and happiness and I quit my job there and then. Hmm. Drove the company car back, bought a back mountain bike and became a push bike courier. Totally transformed my life. Never regretted it. <laughs> that ever. is awesome. Uh, most people career change the other way to a lot of money and I just gave it all up. Never been happier. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you find that people have so much money who are miserable and then vice versa mm. all the time. Yeah, yeah. You see it all the yeah. time and yet we still chase we still chase money. Yeah. You know? It's 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 strange to me. No, I change chase happiness. You know, it's just I see people with no money on income support who are truly happy. And mm-hmm. I have friends who've retired at my age, have a yacht in Antigua, and they're stressed as anything. I just like, no, you, you just need to chill out, zone out. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. And it's I mean, the more we got, I think the more we, we feel like we need to get accumulate. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're on that the hedonic treadmill constantly, no matter yeah. what we're doing, and it doesn't matter what you get. I mean, I got a, a ten thousand or almost eleven thousand dollar grant to spend on video equipment for my company. Wow. And you know you know what? And I was so pumped to get it, so excited. Mm-hmm. And this was around Christmas time. Maybe, yeah. maybe a week before Christmas, I got it. And already I'm looking at the next stuff. How can I upgrade? What can I get more of? And I'm like, you, you need to sit back yeah. there, buddy, because it, it's yeah. it's a real thing. And it's, again, we have, you know, I think we, we're we in a spot and our awareness slowly fades because nothing's there to wake us up. And then yeah. usually that's why I just find like trials and tribulations and mistakes stupid mistakes that we make when you look back like why did i do that it doesn't even make any sense and you know they're there for a reason i think it's really i really believe that they're there to remind you hey you know you're yeah. you're, you're not perfect just so you know <laughs> no i no i still make mistakes i still look back and think oh I, did i need to do that i mean obviously my genre is podcasting mm-hmm. and everyone talks about the roadcaster pro mixing desk and you need this mic and that mic but I started on my old ThinkPad using Audacity and a $25 Amazon USB mic. I only upgraded when I got my first ad revenue check from the host for the podcast. And I bought the Audio-Technica AT2020. And I bought it because it was $80, your money. And I love it. It gives my voice. It's perfect for my voice for mm-hmm. the podcasts. And people say, do you get to upgrade? Why? It is perfect for me. And I have this Zenix mixing desk. Do I need another one? No, it's, I only have one channel going in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very rarely do I interview over the phone. So I've, you know, it's got eight channels, but I don't need anything else. And I have to stop myself looking at shiny things <laughs> because I don't need them. I really don't. Mm-hmm. You know, this, everything I do is adequate for what I do. And anyway, I'm spending the money on my 30 year old car and I, I do need a new engine. 
<laughs> a turbo, a V6 turbo. But um, that's the only thing I'll ever, I, I'll use the word carefully, waste money on. Mm. You know, that's this car I've had three years. I've rebuilt it. I've changed it from its original to purple blue chameleon look. And now it's matte black and it's low and it's tinted. <laughs> Next year it will be wide and green. Yeah, we, we all need uh, some yeah. time for ourselves. And that, that's yeah, great. Do. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I'll send you a photo after this. I'll oh, yeah, you'll have whatever. to. I've got to check out the, the, the car. i got to yeah. definitely check it out. So tell me, um, before I kind of wrap up here, Yeah. Um, tell me just a little about how often do you release your podcast? Is it mainly just do you mainly do it for meditation purposes? You know, yeah. what is, you know, what is your reasoning behind how you do it and the way you do it? Um, so that if I release 3 a.m. every Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, without fail. And I ask the audience out there. So people email in requests what they'd like. So the last week, they've all been positive affirmations about seven to eight minutes long. Next week, they're all deep dives into relaxation, coping with habits about 20 to 30 minutes long. And as I said, it's almost, it's as good as having your own hypnotherapist. Mm. I talk people down and totally relaxed and calm. So they're all for anxiety, panic attacks public speaking, going outside. And, and yeah, they're just there to help people understand who they are once more. And I just produce them because they help me. I listened to someone else's many years ago and I just thought, oh, this is wonderful. But I started purely to help hypnotherapy clients in North Devon. Hmm. And then using Spotify, I saw the analytics where it was growing and why it was growing. So every week I Google, I go on Google Trends and look for what that demographic is worried about and then produce my podcast as well to help more people. If it cascades, if shows like ours just affect two people every day who give it to another two people, we've got this planet so much calmer in about mm -hmm. a year's time. You know, the maths are there. Spotify are throwing millions into podcasting. And I hope they become the YouTube of audio so that we can talk, so we can have comments and interact with our audience and our tribe mm -hmm. on a much more emotional, deeper level. Yeah, I think that's I think that would be would be awesome. Yeah, I, I think yeah. It's, it's getting there anyway. I feel like um, I think it would be nice. It's an awesome point to not to hate on any of the other companies, but if just... You know, YouTube's there. It's a kind of local one size fits all. Everybody uses it for video yeah. and that's it. If you could have one audio like that where you could comment and become more of a community, I think that would be great. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Spotify account for 80% of all my downloads. You know, really? They, they're huge. Yeah. Okay. Um, Apple is about 15%. Really? See, I'm, I'm probably about the opposite. That's interesting. It is weird. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why people have the uptake on Spotify for what I do is so much bigger. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so the majority of my, well, I wouldn't say the majority, I would say, and I'm trying to work on changing this as much as I enjoy it and love it, but I would say probably 60% of my audience is clinical workers, clinical employees, treatment providers, um, employees. And I'd say maybe about 40% is people in recovery, people who are actually 
struggling with mental health. Not that clinicians and stuff haven't struggled with it, but you know what I mean. And so, you know, I would like to, I th- and I feel like a lot of that was because I'd gotten away from having people on to share their stories of what they have, are struggling with. So I'm trying to kind of yeah. balance that out a little bit because, and you know what, going back to money, I think maybe I caught myself, you know, right now trying to grow a company, you know, money's yeah. hard, it's tough and you know, I'm hurting for money. So and I think a part of that has been people in recovery aren't going to pay me. Hey, come on and share your story. They don't have money. Some of them, most of them don't have a license or a car. (laughs) And, you know, so there's no money in there. And I think maybe I, now that I'm just saying this out loud, I feel like I kind of drifted because, all right, I need to pay some bills. I need to eat, you know, and things are changing with all that. I, I feel in the next few months, I'll be a lot more comfortable. You know, I think that's something that happened to me and I want to get back to sharing more stories, people coming on who have struggled with anxiety yeah. and how they overcame it. And I think that's important as well. So, but it is interesting back to the original point, how, yeah, mine's about the exact opposite with Spotify and Apple. All right. Well, I, I must look into that. I mean, you know, I fund my show through the pre and post ad rolls of which I have no control over. Mm-hmm. And the only negative comments I ever get are, could you do the show without the adverts they ruin it but then i can't afford the time to do the equipment and mm-hmm. then do the advertising you know it is a necessity of life we need advertising although i'm now actively after show specific sponsors but then they have to align with my empathy and ethos mm-hmm. someone approached me and said oh, i'd like to sponsor you i looked at what they are and i'm like but that doesn't fit it doesn't make and sense <laughs> mo- no you know the money would have been handy you know i could do with an extra thousand dollars a month but people would go why are you aligning yourself with that i thought you really cared about me mm-hmm. and i always you know i do care because i know there's so much hurt out there if we can just turn it off for one person then money doesn't matter absolutely and i think that's the importance and the difference of branding and marketing you know branding yeah. is that it takes time to build. It takes time to grow that audience because what you're trying to build is authentic, genuine, yeah. and true. And if somebody sees and hears an ad, like, what is what is this for? Why yeah. does he have this ad on here? And, you know, that's that's bad. And they go tell, yeah, don't listen to that guy. He's got yeah. ads on that have nothing to do with what he's even talking about. And, you know, yeah. I think that's important to stick with that and not take the shortcuts for a short-term investment. No, I don't, you know, I've worked so hard now. It's only nine months since I started, but people, I think now respect it. In fact, I had someone phone me from London this week for help. I said, oh, how did you find out about me? And a national organization for anxiety are now recommending my podcasts. Awesome. That's like, great. Whoa, wow. That That's right. <laughs> that's not a little thing now. I really have to, not that I wasn't taking responsibility, but um that's a huge responsibility um, when you're dealing with people who mm-hmm. are and worried. So I have to keep going. Well, well, you got the voice for it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. And then so many other business people on groups that I belong to, they go, wow, your voice. <laughs> <laughs> and when I do the podcast, obviously, I'm a little bit lower and I'm like that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not doing it, I'm different. <laughs> In fact, I still have a YouTube clip and... All my friends saw it and go, what on earth did you take for that video? How much caffeine were you on? And I'm like, right, everyone. Okay, so I'm doing this new YouTube channel. And that's me. That's the other side of me. I am absolutely <laughs> wired. Oh, um, that's awesome. You know, I, I, we 
saved this guy's life last year and he came back round and I'm like, yeah, how you doing? And his overriding memory was like, why was this paramedic so high and hyper? I go, well, I just watched you die and now you're alive. <laughs> so cool. And then I bumped into him. This this was really odd. We were in McDonald's, which is a thing of the past now for me. And this guy came up to me and goes, probably don't rec- recognize me, but um, two weeks ago, you saved my life. And I go, oh yeah, I remember you. And he goes, and my wife reminded me, you saved my life three years beforehand in the doctor's surgery. And what are the chances, the statistics wow. of resussing the same guy successfully? Ow. Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I must write a book. <laughs> but now it's all about fixing our heads. Absolutely. It absolutely is. I mean, I would I would say your voice would probably sound equal even better through uh, the Shure SM7B. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, okay. Um, how much is that mic then? Oh, gosh, I'm not even going to tell you. Okay. But, oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're expensive. No, no, I mean, hopefully if the business performs a lot better than last year, I, I will get a really good mic, but I don't understand if it will give better quality than this or the intonation on my voice. Um, but then I need a really good laptop for audio and video t- editing. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I was, I was, I was blessed because I'd be really kind of stuck mm. in the same spot if I didn't get that that grant. But yeah. I mean, I just like you, I started. Um, I actually recorded my first two episodes with why I was still technically in rehab. We get wow. to go out towards the end of your stay. You can go out for the day, and they slowly mm-hmm. kind of get you acclimated with being back and getting outside of that rehab bubble, as they call it. Yeah. And we recorded our first two episodes, my roommate and I, from my long term rehab out on pass which is kind of interesting but um i mean my sister gave me her crappy laptop and the only thing i did not pawn in my addiction for money to get drugs was my little focus right 2i2 or maybe it's 2i4 or whatever and um you know that was the only thing i didn't pawn so i had that my buddy let me borrow a couple mics and cables and my sister gave me her old crappy laptop and i was doing audacity as well and now you know now i'm in all the adobe products and yeah yeah, it's it's awesome to look back and see yourself grow and where you started do you still use audacity to edit yeah i mean i've got ableton Okay. Okay. Um, And I I used to write and record my own music. And I thought, well, let's go over to Ableton. I can do so much more. Mm -hmm. But actually, then I'd start not focusing on the content, but doing too much to it. Too much to it. And I don't need to. Mm -hmm. I don't do. I I used to normalize and compress and tweak it. No. You don't do that. I don't do anything to my podcast Mm -hmm. now. I just download a Chris Collins backing track, plug for him because. All of my music is from him, and it's good. And then I just record. I get to the end. I look for any clicks where I've gone, or ums, but I very rarely do ums anymore. And then I upload it there and then. Nothing else. It's this mic, absolutely natural. It's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's mm. nice. And again, you have the you have a, the perfect voice for it as well. Thank you. You should get on Fiverr and do sell voiceovers. You could be getting some work, a little extra cash. Man, you've just hit it because I was. So many people have said do voiceover work coming soon, and um, <laughs> I'm going to have to use you and hit you up for a few things. I think I, I will do anything. All right, you, you ask, tell me what you want, and I'll send them over. Beautiful. Um, yeah, Fiverr. I hadn't thought of that. I um, that's jotting down now uh, because I had signed up initially to a voiceover place, 
and then I let that slide. But I think uh, you're right. So many, like I say, so many people in the Slack group I'm on and another business group have said, why don't you do voiceover work? <laughs> but I've been so focused on helping people and not realizing actually that, you know, I used to work many years ago when I was at college in the UK. I worked on BBC Radio Lincoln, helped okay. out on a show. And then mid 80s, uh, me and another friend set up a radio station in Croydon and I'd do Monday to Friday, nine to five. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. that's that's fantastic. I'll be talking to the children like this all day long. Have you done? Oh my homework? god! Probably... Right, sorry, you you set me off now. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they would love that. <laughs> I think they think. I, little Emily, she's seven. Every time uh, Mum puts her to bed, and then I have to go in, in and say goodnight, and she hides under the duvet, and I'm going. Emily, I can smell fear. And she's giggling away, knowing <laughs> I go, I will get you. And then I attack her and she squeals the house down. I love kids. I love looking. You know, I was a house husband for the first nine years of my boys' lives. Uh, Mum went back to her career after two weeks giving birth, leaving me with them. And ah, oh, it was wonderful. And now I'm doing it again with stepchildren. So I didn't have to do the nappy bit. Uh, I came into their lives when they were three and five. And I adore it. You know, I am such a broody guy. There's nothing nicer <laughs> than the laughter of kids. No, that is that is very true. There's nothing yeah. better than being able to act like a kid as well and uh, hang out totally. with them and be goofy. I, uh, yesterday, I, I took the kids and the dog out for a walk. And there were some other kids playing over the fence in the woods on this rope swing and uh, there's an apple tree near us. So I got this apple into the doggy ball thrower and I threw it near to where these other kids were. And you could hear them go, what's that? Someone's throwing apples. Right? And you could hear them running around down the lane to come into the field to see who it was. And we were about to head home. And I said to Henry and Emily, I said, what? watch this. And these kids came in and I said, do you know who threw the apple? I said, no, I think there's some kids in the bushes over there. And we went off and Henry was in tears. He goes, that is the most amazing thing you ever did. That was so childish. <laughs> It was brilliant. And and we knew the kids, you know, that we all live in a close together. And about an hour later, they came to the house and I went down. I said, hi, do you know what they look like? Because we could hear them. And I looked at the clothes I had on and said, yeah, one of them had green trousers, black socks and a grey top that said, teach everything you know. And the first kid didn't get it. But the other two just smiled and go, oh, it was you. <laughs> yeah, now I'm always... Everything in life has to be laughed at. That's that's me. That's important. I think that, and speaking of what is amazing for your mental health, I think that is probably one of the number one things. Laughter. Yeah, laughter. Is huge. It is. It's everything, isn't it? You, mm -hmm. you got to laugh. Let the past go. Learn from it, you know, but don't make excuse. Don't use your past as an excuse to be an idiot now. Mm. You know, just be kind. That's what I say. That's, yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it any better myself. I think yeah. that's that's important, extremely important. It's something we all need to continuously always be aware of, I like to say, because yeah. it's easy to forget that and start taking life too serious. Yeah, and, uh, don't, don't take <laughs> it seriously. I don't take what I do seriously. What I give is serious, mm -hmm. but the rest isn't. You know, even when I'm recording it, I still have that four-year-old wanting to say, <laughs> just going back to it, my first podcast, they would take me hours, even though they were 20 minutes long, yep. because I would say silly things. That that naughty part was still there. I'd be saying, and as you go deeper, your nose will probably go on fire. Oh, God. Delete. <laughs> now, now I've got that under control. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's great. 
That's great. So, Martin, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Um, the website for all the podcasts is www.calminganxiety.net, um, which is the landing page for my website as well. So you can see okay. everything. But the podcasts are all embedded there and all the reviews. I'm on Twitter, which is at Hewlett underscore Martin. They can find me there as well. And then from the Facebook page, they can find the Calming Anxiety YouTube channel. Just Just type in Calming Anxiety. And it, and it pops up. Awesome. And Hewlett yeah. is H-E-W-L-E-T-T? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll make Thank sure you. I'll make sure, sure I uh I put that in the mm. in all the info whenever I post this and I obviously and, and will let you when know. When you talk to the main man that is Gary V, mm-hmm. just let him know that another person is having success because I followed everything he was talking about i will i will do that yeah yeah it'll be interesting mm. it was funny i have to send you the the link as well for when i talked to him because it, it was I, pretty I, it was pretty yeah, funny yeah i can't yeah. wait so awesome right, martin well thank you once again for joining me this morning well your afternoon my morning yeah that's something to always i, I forgot too i was like working i knew at like 1 a.m i'm like all right i should go to bed but i just <laughs> wanted to get you know you you get in your mind i yeah. want to get to this point before i stop and yeah. It's like, screw it. So it was probably almost 3 a.m. No, so I was like that, but my partner now, she won't go to bed until I go to bed. So it's now a habit. I'd never used to be like that. Even when I was with my previous wife, I'd work all hours. But now I set structure, 10, 11 o'clock, we go to bed together and, and life is balanced. I was going to say, it's probably healthier. You probably feel better than, than I do some days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, I, I'm trying helped. to... I'm trying to keep the keep get this growing a little bit here, a little bit more cool. before I uh, just sit back well, and keep working. So w- once it's all done and recorded and uploaded, let me know if you're happy. I'll put it on my website as well, so absolutely. Well, tribe can see it. Awesome, yeah. Like really? you, I don't I don't do a ton. I'll I'll go through and I I don't I hate breath and heavy breathing, so I usually get yeah. that out and cool. you know repetitive words. But luckily, I mean. It's nice having another podcast guy on because every once in a while that happens and they're, they got headphones and mics and which makes yeah. it sound better when you're doing remote podcasting and you know, you're used to kind of doing it. So this should be an yeah. easier edit for me. So I'm grateful for that. I do. I do hope so, Sean. All right, Martin. Yeah, I will stay in touch with you. Thanks again for everything. Absolute pleasure, buddy. All right. I will be in touch. Be Thanks. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye.